welcome to another week of the Fiber Coven podcast. We are so happy to be here talking with you, talking with each other about some yarny stuff and some witchy stuff. I'm Lauren from Valkyrie Fibers. And I'm Emily from Kitty with a Cupcake. Yay! Kicking it off with some news like usual. Where can people find you in the real world, Emily? Well, I will be at Logan Street Market this weekend, the 10th and 11th of December uh, from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then next weekend, I will be at the Flea Off Holiday Bazaar, the 17th and 18th of December. I forget the hours of that. It's during the day, and it's at the Henry Clay Building. Both of these things are in Louisville. So if you're local to Louisville, come on by. I'll have my gumball machine set up with all of the new mini pins inside. So much fun. Rad. And we are also in the middle of our Source of Evil mystery knit along. It's Lord of the Rings themed. It's a mosaic knit boomerang shawl using two skeins of fingering, getting clues every week. It's great. You have um, until the middle slash end of January to finish it up before we choose prizes. I mean, obviously you can finish it whenever you want, but if you want a prize for it, you got to finish it up by the mid to end of January. And if you want to double dip on those prizes by entering in my year-long Lord of the Rings knit along the there and back again knit along, you got to finish it up by the end of the year. And that Lord of the Rings knit along is just any yarn fiber related project, knit, crochet, spinning, weaving, felting, that is in any way Lord of the Rings slash Tolkien themed, be it uh, the pattern or the fiber. All of it counts. Free to throw your name in the hat for some prizes. Yeah, do it up. We is that all we got for news? I believe so. Rad. Unfinished objects. We both finished working on the mystery knit along. It's awesome, but we can't show it to you. It's a secret. It's a secret. Uh, but I finished a couple little things. One of my college friends is going to be having a baby in the spring, so I made some wee things. I cast on the Pearl Pouch by Tori Yu and some deep mystery deep stash. And it's a little drawstring pouch and it comes in three size options. And this is the smallest. Let me tell you, I am going to make a lot more of these. They're terribly cute. They're cleverly constructed. So much fun. If you are a D&D type person, it would make a very excellent dice bag. Yeah, this is the smallest size. I really like how the drawstring stuff is is encapsulated. So it uses fingering weight yarn, and then you knit it um, with just one strand to do the um, top part that holds the drawstring, but it's folded over, so it's double thickness. And then you use two strands held together for the body, so the whole thing is the same thickness, and that's really clever and fun. It is. You could also do a fun contrast top that way if you did the top with one color and the bottom with two colors. You could. And you could do a marled thing going on. Oh, so many good options. And then I also, using the same mystery deep stash yarn, made a small hat, just a basic vanilla beanie. And my plan is I'm going to do um, this one I did in the same. I did it the fingering weight yarn held double. And then I'm going to do another hat that's fingering weight yarn held single. So it's going to be a lighter weight baby hat. And heavier weight baby hat not that this baby who's going to live in san diego is going to need many hats (laughs) but the plan is to put wee hats inside the wee bag and send it off very cute yeah and that's what i made well what have you been working on well i worked on the mystery knit along but i also Mm -hmm. worked on my blaster card again Mm -hmm. which is a jumble of needles at the moment are you on sleeve island now 
I am on Sleeve Island now. So I've bound off the body. Ooh, very nice. Very nice. It looks great. All tweety and speckled and beautiful. Yep. So there's that nice little lace detail and the mm-hmm. ribbing at the bottom. And now I'm on the sleeve and the sleeve has a sleeve cap construction, which I've never mm-hmm. done before. Mm-hmm. Um, so nice. I'm doing my little sleeve short rows right now. Cool. It looks great. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to be tubing. Tubing, tubing. Mm-hmm. You been working on anything else? Uh, no, I have, I have that Musselberg hat, but it looks the same as the last time you saw it. It's just mm-hmm. also tubing. Mm-hmm. I've, I cast on another tube this morning. I cast on that lightweight baby hat. I'm going to do it in the same colors as the drawstring bag. So I have, this is actually the uh, Beaver Moon colorway from last year's full moon collection that we did on that you're wearing around your neck right now. I am. <laughs> it looks fabulous. Yeah. So I'm going to do the brim in this brown and then the top of the hat in that blue. And it'll just be a nice lightweight wee hat for a wee person. Nice. But I also cast on a secret project. It's not secret from you guys, just secret from Mr. Valkyrie. For Yule, I want to make him another pair of shorts since the one that I made him a couple years ago has seen a lot of wear and it looks like it. (laughs) And um, I am... Yeah, I'm constantly being asked to carry his phone in the evenings when he's wearing his knit shorts. So these will have a pocket. Nice. Yeah. It's kind of all bunched up because uh, it's on the needles right now. But this is the sports pattern by Stephen West. I've made a pair of these for the mister. I've made a pair for me. It's a really fun pattern. I think it's good. The, The pattern calls for worsted, but I've only done it in DK. And just kind of, I went down on the needle sizes and um, guessed higher rather than lower on the which size to pick. Well, Stephen West would say that DK and worsted are the same thing. So that's totally within <laughs> the realm within the of bounds. that pattern. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I actually saved some yarn from the Sierra Nevada yarn crawl kits that some of my our flag means death colorways. This is Polite Menace. And then the body is going to be in nose jar. So it's going to be this nice pukey greeny brown, which is, of course, going to be the best color ever for shorts. <laughs> I think it's going to be fun. My partner um, tends to do dirty boy activities. Um, so he's going to get his clothes dirty. So that'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But hopefully I'll be able to work it in secret and give those to him on solstice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And it's nice. I'm keeping it in the Dre bag that I got from uh, Home Row Fiber Co. We were at oh, Woolen Folk. Like that same pattern for my sweater. Bag twins. Yeah. Yeah, and it's nice because I can just drawstring it closed so that he can't see inside when it's Ha-ha. hanging out around the house. And that's all I've been working on. Super fun. Super mm-hmm. fun. Knitting. I did get a little bit of stuff. Not really. I got half of the order that I did on uh, Black Friday from Girlfriend Collective. They do really good clothes, uh, like athletic wear. Out of A lot of it's made out of recycled bottles and fairly certain it's minority a uh, minority woman-owned company but i got some bike shorts i'm actually wearing some right now they have great deep pockets they're super comfy i like I them i also own those bike shorts and they're very nice and pet hair resistant it's mm-hmm. so surprising they're great i love them yeah i got these black ones and i'm wearing the ones in plum right now and i can't wait for the rest of my order to come they're having like a super deep sale yay what did you get i went to drop off a bunch of my stuff at Aurora Gallery in Louisville, which is an art gallery that is pretty cool. It's not 
explicitly witch themed but the people who run it are pretty witchy so a lot of the stuff in there is witchy which is fun so like pretty much all of my pins are in stock there if you're local and you want to go check it out but i also bought some gifts for some people there and i got this candle for myself from throwing bones candle co and it's called harvest breakfast and it smells like pumpkin pecan and waffle and it's good and then i have been opening my advent calendar from lantern light yarn co which is the fellowship of the ring themed advent calendar i'm opening it all through the month of december it's a 31 day advent calendar and here are all of my little yarn babies oh my goodness they're terribly cute they're so cute really nice vibes to them yes very calming yes they're very good this one is probably my favorite so far which very variegated very autumnal yeah 111th birthday that's sweet which is cute but i think they all go with the their names appropriately this is the first character one um, mm-hmm. that I've gotten so far, which is Samwise Gamgee. Mm-hmm. So, so much children. fun. And you're waiting to see what they all look like before you decide what to do with them. I think so. I do think I'm probably going to do the blanket that I never remember the name of, Northeasterly, that one. I think I'm mm-hmm. probably going to do a Northeasterly with it. Do you think 31 minis is enough to make a bl- Like, it'd be like a throw blanket? Yeah. I. It'll be interesting because you could do like two or three minis per row it's right, interesting because they'll all many. be the same length mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so i could figure that out a lot of i saw she posted like a group of the first six on her instagram and a lot of people who have already started knitting with it said that this forged in secret is their favorite so far because i think mm-hmm. that it's going to be mostly gray with like little mm-hmm. bits of the orange popping out of it so mm-hmm. Yep. Nice. Little yarn babies. They look so squishy. Woohoo. Woohoo. Is it a cult corner time? Yes. Storytelling time. Tell um, me a story. So we did the, uh, we were like, ah, oh, what should we do for a cult corner? And I started Googling weird things the Victorians did, which is always fun. And I came across two things that weren't quite enough for a whole occult corner on their own. So it's going to be kind of like two stories of some weird, totally different things that Victorians, the most emo era of British people ever did. Uh, so the first one is going to be on post-mortem photography. And like, obviously if you're feeling squeamish about death, it's not for you. And I'm going to talk about lots of pictures of dead babies and children. So obviously we totally get it. If that's not for you, just skip ahead a lot or take off now, like have a great, wonderful rest of your day. But the second thing we're going to talk about Oh, I'm going to talk about just to kind of lighten the mood at the end after the pictures of dead people talk is going to be about uh, how the Victorians wore a lot of nipple rings, apparently. So we're going to end it with something fun. Mm -hmm. All right. So kicking it off, post-mortem photography. I'm mainly drawing off of two articles, one from All That's Interesting and one from Atlas Obscura, which is kind of like uh, all these articles you're seeing about Victorian post-mortem Uh, photography are probably wrong or misleading so it's pretty interesting so the daguerreotype which was the first like photography was invented by a french name french guy named daguerre in 1839 and that was during the victorian era or close enough to it so like mourning portraits or like 
painted portraits of people in what we would currently think of as like hospice, like end of life sickness were always something that rich people did in Northern, like Northern Europe. But obviously having somebody paint a portrait of your loved one as they were after they had passed or like in a funerary setting was only something that was accessible to extremely wealthy people. But after the daguerreotype was uh, invented, it became more accessible to like your middle and upper class people to have a memento of someone that had passed. And also the early photographs and daguerreotypes uh, needed a very long exposure time, sometimes as much as half an hour or a couple minutes. And uh, dead people don't move around. So it's pretty easy to take photographs of them. And you would obviously expect, uh, and you do see a ton of people basically taking memorial photos of any sort of loved ones that had passed that. That makes sense to a modern, a modern viewer. You know, just pictures of loved ones that are deceased, like in their beds, like sleeping peacefully or like surrounded by flowers, those things. Yeah, I think that makes sense. But the Victorians really kicked it up a notch. There was some really trauma inducing photos that I saw online of like lineups of children and maybe one of them was deceased, like way to traumatize your living children. Lots of like. Yeah, or like propping uh, deceased relatives up in awkward positions and taking pictures with living relatives around them. That's where the Victorians got really morbid with it was like the photographs that were just like just uncomfortable propping up of dead people mm-hmm. and taking pictures of them um like sometimes with living people and also too in the early days of photography, they were trying out some things and like, honestly, it looks kind of nice when they kind of like went in afterwards and like painted their cheeks to be a little rosier. So it would look like, you know, like a, a a person still sleeping, somebody who's alive. That makes, that makes sense to me. And that was uh, doable with the photo editing, let's say photo editing technology of the time. They also were like, yeah, just try and paint some eyes on my deceased relative. And those are chilling. (laughs) I saw some terrible pictures on the internet yesterday of some painted on eyeballs. Um, They were really bad. (laughs) That was something they tried. And I'm going to say it did not work out great. Um, And another thing that makes a lot of modern people think that the Victorians were propping up a ton of dead people and taking pictures with them is that there are all these like clamps and stands that photographers would use on their models. And a lot of people inferred that those were for deceased like photography subjects, but the clamps and stands were not substantial and they were actually for living models because the exposure times were several minutes. It would be hard for to be still. Yeah, they were more supports for somebody who could stand up on their own. Um, They just were not something that could hold the entire weight of an entire body. So anytime you see any figure standing in a Victorian photo, they are an alive person. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about that. Um, Any standing person is going to be an alive person (laughs) in Victorian photos. Uh, And many times people that you will see like propped up in Victorian photos are also alive just because they had to sit in a way that was, that was comfortable uh, for them to sit in for several minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, Something that I found. That's also why they all look so unhappy too. Cause you get you like smiling Mm -hmm. is like taxing for your facial muscles if you have to do it for a really long time. So that's why everyone's like straight faced. Yeah. And 
Yeah. And like having the dead eyed stare right at the camera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So some clues that I found to be able to decide for yourself, if you're like looking at Victorian postmortem uh, photography or just Googling articles about it, like I did yesterday was uh, if it's an adult, a lot of times um, like a seated adult, I would imagine if they were a living model would have posed their own legs somewhat comfortably. If, if I feel like if it's like a seated adult and the legs are super awkwardly, not the way a living person would sit, that's a good clue uh, as to whether or not it's actually a postmortem photograph. And some of this is, this is the really depressing one. So, so a lot of times the photo would blur if your model in the, in the photograph, like during the exposure time is moving a lot. If you see a baby that looks awake and the photo's super crisp, probably not an alive baby. Oh, Mm-hmm. Blurry photos of babies mean happy, alive babies. And also, mm-hmm. like, there's plenty of beautiful Victorian photos of sleeping, alive babies. So, like, mm-hmm. that's just for babies with their eyes open. That's that's a big giveaway. Mm-hmm. There are some truly just heartbreaking photographs of various, like, Victorian family portraits where several figures are a little blurry because they were moving and one is not. And that's how you can tell that they were deceased. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And another thing that makes modern people think that a lot of the Victorian subject models were deceased when they weren't is that a lot of the chemicals that they were using to develop the original photos could kind of mess with the colors and make your eyes look a little like too light or glassy and that could make someone who was uh, alive look deceased Mm -hmm. Um, and also the horrible like and even like if somebody was just trying to like touch up eyes and painted it like those those look really really creepy (laughs) <laughs> and another thing too to like help you discern like which of these uh, are fakes or like people are just misled um like they had a lot of symbolism in their photos like a lot of times if some of the people in the photos are wearing morning clothes or surrounded by clocks or flowers it might be uh you know a post postmortem victorian photo but if everybody looks to be wearing colorful clothes and things like that it's probably just a just a weird old-timey photo not any dead people that are being photographed Fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I just saw lots of like lineups of Victorian children that just looked wholly traumatized. <laughs> Those poor kids. All right. So that's the end of the uh, uh, dead Victorians taking pictures talk. And let's get on to the nipple rings. Yeah. I couldn't find a lot of information on that. I'm mainly drawing off an article from Body Art Forums. And this was something that was only brought up in the late Victorian period, like the 1890s. And apparently it was common for wealthy upper class ladies to go to fancy boutiques in Paris and get their nips pierced. And uh, apparently it was the style to have a little chain going between them. And I just thought it was neat because it's just something that they were doing to feel excited about themselves. And Mm -hmm. that's cool. It was definitely something that was only available to upper class upper-class ladies with time and money to spend. But uh, I just thought that was kind of fun. A lot of the things in the article were drawn off of basically a a forum-style section of a magazine where several people were discussing, like male and female were discussing the having of nipple rings. And there was kind of the same sort of chatter that you see in modern discourse on body piercings, like a doctor's, like people who said they were doctors being like, what about if you nurse your children and women being like, I've nursed four children with my nipples pierced and it's just fine. Mm-hmm. And like people <laughs> being like, you can pierce any skin safely. 
mm-hmm. you know, just just modern discourse. There was like some old timey uh, Victorian white men being like, well, I guess it makes sense if you're a savage that exposes the breasts all the time. But we civilized English people only expose about half the breasts. So why decorate them? OK, and it was just. <laughs> yeah, you guys are never looking at naked breasts while you're banging, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Or just like heaven forbid, like a woman, or I guess it doesn't have to be a woman, just like heaven forbid a person like have like a sexy little secret that they only choose to share with the people they choose to share it with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just just the same sort. It's funny just to think that the Victorians have the same sort of discourse that we're having today about body modification. That is amusing. Um, yeah, you know, what's interesting is that there is another piercing that has its name from Victorian piercing rumor, which is the Prince Albert, of course. It's mm-hmm. definitely not proven that Prince Albert had a Prince Albert piercing, but it was <laughs> a rumor. Uh, and it was a rumor that he had it because he wore tight fitting pants and the ring part of the piercing would keep his bits in a position so you couldn't see them through the tight fitting pants interesting Mm -hmm. so that it was a functional thing that like kept the ring the piercing would keep his that i mean the rumor was that it was a functional piercing that would keep his bits in place for the tight pants yes but like we definitely don't really know if this was a real thing and like Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) it was you know, like mm-hmm. the horse banging of other real rumors. Oh, the great, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Part of the, uh, one of the, uh, I guess, downsides of being uh, internationally famous and powerful is that people are going to make rumors about your genitals and or sex life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But apparently having body piercings or like body piercings that would be hidden by clothing is something that crops up in lots of Victorian era erotica. So we know it was something that was on their mind. Mm -hmm. And I thought this was a clever thing. Uh, Something that came up in that uh, forum style magazine was somebody suggested uh, that a a person who had breasts and wanted nipple piercings, I guess they don't have to have breasts, but like, yeah, they, they proposited the idea of getting pierced right above the nipple so that you could put a ring in it. And it would be like, like a setting, like a jewel, like a jewel oh, setting around it. And I thought go. that was a really like that. That's something I'd never heard of before. I'm certain certain people that are into body modifications and body jewelry know all about that. But that was just like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> look at these old timey people having fun ideas about how to make how to make themselves look special and fancy. Yeah. I just thought it was just like all the thinking about it's fun to think it was all the rage for like these upper-class women to have this sexy, fun little secret. And like, uh, we, we think today people with like body piercings and stuff to be like alternative and edgy, but for them, it was like this beautiful decorative, delicate thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's cool too. Like it was common to have, like I said, that delicate little chain connecting your titty piercings. And that's just fun. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if you're interested in reading that article, it's from body art forms and I will link that in the show notes. And that's about all I've gotten for a um, weird Victorian practice. One that's spooky and depressing and probably led to lots of traumatized children that were said survived their younger siblings and one fun, sexy little secret the Victorians held on to. Nice. I like it. Yeah. And that was a cult corner for today. And we can uh, do a little promo. Uh, tell everybody about your shop update. 
I have a shop update that went live today, the day we're recording this. So if you're listening or watching this, then uh, it's up. And I have some fun things in the shop update. There so are fun. two new enamel pin designs, the Cozy Gamer pin, Very which is cute. a little Nintendo Switch that says co- Cozy Gamer and has a little mushroom, tiny, tiny mushroom man tending to his virtual Aww. farm. Uh, and so sweet. There's also a mouse and a PlayStation controller. So it is welcoming to all gaming types. Uh, nice. And then we have the Spicy Pumpkins. Which is a pumpkin drinking a pumpkin spice latte and his pumpkin friend being pretty horrified at his behavior. And then there are three new earring designs. And something about my earrings has changed. They used to come with little rubber backs, but now they come Mm -hmm. with metal butterfly backs. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I think the rubber ones just didn't stay on good enough. Uh, So now they have these. Nice. So I have the ghost oops this one's been upside down the ghost coffee um mm-hmm. earrings which are a little to-go coffee cup where there's a little tiny ghost on the sleeve of the coffee cup mm-hmm. the cute bats which are so little, cute little teeny tiny bats uh, and these are all post earrings and the cute bats you can wear upside down or right side up depending on how you want your bats orientated and then mm-hmm. my favorite of the earrings is baba yaga's house these are little itty bitty teeny tiny houses with little itty bitty teeny tiny chicken feet. They're so cute. Nice. So the metal on the front is all gold colored. Uh, but tell us about the metal for the earring post for anybody who might be sensitive. Oh, yes. If you have sensitive ears, the actual post of the earrings and the back part that touches your ears is stainless steel. And the gold color of the earrings is 22 karat gold plated. So they they shouldn't bother your ears if you are sensitive to metals. The uh these new metal pinbacks are also nickel free. So you should be good. I have sensitive ears and can't wear a ton of like fun earrings. Um if I do wear fun earrings, I usually have to take them out after some time cuz they get irritated, but these don't bother me. So uh, obviously, everyone has just different levels of sensitivity, but maybe give them a try. You might be able to wear them even if you got picky ear holes. I also have somewhat sensitive ears and uh, I've got several pairs of Emily's earrings and they don't bother me either. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that is up in the shop update is the crystal ball gumball machine. Which Very is nice. all set up. Um, and that is a whole series of mini pins. There are six different designs, and each design has three different colors. And it is $5 to ask the crystal ball gumball machine your fortune. You get a capsule, uh, and inside that capsule is one mini pin. All of the mini mm-hmm. pins are a half inch big. So if you have the uh skull mini skull pin from deathly cute it's about that big so they're really little and very cute cute. and you get a little like fortune cookie style fortune in there to tell you your fortune and it's fun stuff so if you want to get in on that check out my shop update and all of the new stuff is right up at the top of the website goodywithacupcake.com fantastic well that's about it for us. If you are looking to find us anywhere around the internet, just head on over to fibercoven.com. That'll have show notes for this episode and all other episodes. It'll have links to Emily's products and patterns, links to my yarn, and links to our Patreon, where we do a 
whole nother podcast where we talk about business stuff and what nerdy things we're obsessed with du jour. And it'll all, the Patreon also gives you access to our Discord, which is full of some rad crafty witches. Mm-hmm. So yeah, fibercoven.com if you want to find any of that stuff. And until next week, Coven, keep making yarn magic. Bye. Bye. Bye.